If we could have our first slide up, please. Uh, it shows, not hugely clear, but there are about 135 vineyard churches in the UK and Ireland. And today, as a group of churches, we are celebrating church planting. So that's why I'm speaking this morning. Uh, we are here today because of a long string of church plants that go right the way back to the very first church that Jesus planted uh, himself. So we're going to start with a seven-minute video that's been produced by Vineyard Churches, and we've got another one later on. But Jonathan, if you could roll the video, please. Hi, my name's James, and I head up the church planting team with my wife, Jen. The Vineyard Movement's been established for just over 40 years, and during that time period, it's seen 2,600 churches planted. That is a really great start, but we can't afford to take our foot off the pedal. We are a church planting movement. That's part of our DNA and it's who we are. Many of you sitting in churches today will be there and have come to faith because somebody planted a church. Somebody was willing to start a new community. Somebody heard from the Lord the call and said, you know what, I'm up for it, I'm willing to go. And so your story is part of that church being planted. And the truth is, as life goes by, it's, it's easy to settle. It's easy to just go, oh, do you know what? I want an easy life. But as I look at the Gospels, I see this amazing picture of a dynamic and pioneering bunch of Jesus followers who would do whatever it takes to see people come to faith. Their heart was absolutely broken for lost people. That they, they longed for them to experience relationship and intimacy with the Lord. The best way to reach people is to plant churches. Planting churches changes lives. Planting churches rewrites stories. And I'd love you just to hear a couple of stories of lives that have been changed. I came to Cardiff as a student and I was determined to build a successful career and meet the one. And I didn't know Jesus at that time and I was extremely insecure and felt quite lost. I eventually was brought along to church by a wonderful friend who had kept praying for me, really persevering. We had lots of late night chats about Jesus. I came to the local vineyard and I just felt like I had come home and I met Jesus and he completely changed my life and just gave me a security, an identity and a purpose. Then about a year later at the Cause to Live For conference, God spoke to me really clearly about sacrificing the career that I had set up for myself in my mind and instead choosing to do the discipleship year and pursue him and his church. So I set upon that journey not knowing what that was going to look like, but determined to just follow him and give him my yes. And now, several years down the line, my husband and I have just launched a site of our church and that's really because we want to see more lost people come to know Jesus. When I went to a newcomers event, the senior pastors of my church, Jen, said, I don't know if I'd be a Christian if John and Debbie hadn't planted a church. And the same is true for me. I don't know if I would be a Christian. I don't know if I'd know Jesus if they hadn't taken that step of faith and planted a church. So really, when God put this call on my heart to launch a site, it is all about reaching lost people for Jesus. So back in 2012, uh, my wife and I, we moved to Bath to plant a new vineyard church. I remember vividly right at the beginning, we were meeting um, in a local pub right in the early days, uh, almost in our second meeting. And um, this chap named Sam, he came to faith um, or began his journey of faith um, in that moment. 
um, where he encountered the Holy Spirit for the first time. And he kind of got swept up um, both in pursuing Jesus, um, but also in this journey of a, a, a new community forming. And um, he came to, to faith probably uh, three to four months into it. He got involved with our, our, uh, one of our small groups. Over the coming years, he uh, led small groups and served and really carried everything about us as a community. Fast forward six years, and um, we were announcing to our leaders that we would be planting our first church. We had a couple, Jamie and Kath Brayford, who had come and joined us, and um, they they come to train, and they come to the end of their training, and we knew that they were, that God was speaking, they were gonna be planting in Liverpool. And so we were announcing it to our leaders, um, and just literally celebrating it, and inviting anyone in our community that, that may wanna go on that journey, or be part of that journey, to, to consider it. Well, two, day, two days later, or around about then, I remember getting a phone call from Sam, and I saw, as soon as it came up on my phone, I knew that, that, it was, that they were thinking about going. And um, they came around for dinner, um, and we sat and we chatted, and immediately they said, look, we feel like God is saying we've got to go. Uh, we've been looking, we've been sensing a stirring for a new adventure. And when Jamie and Kath mentioned it, uh, and they mentioned the city, we were like, we've got to be part of this. So there was a heavy heart, just because Sam had been the first fruits of our community, and I love that. Um, but we knew they, they, they were going to go. And so he, I said, "What's your plan?" And he said, "Well, we don't really have a plan. We're going to be we're going to be putting our resignation, our, our notice into our jobs, and we're going to move in faith. We believe God's going to provide for all that we need." And we we're like, "Sure, do it." Anyway, they left that evening, and I just still remember sitting there, still really heavy-hearted. No one wanted to celebrate, but also being heavy-hearted. And um, I felt like Jesus just nudged me at that moment. And he said, look, when you, when you travel down that M5 um, on the way to Bath, when you move to, to plant this church, if I said to you that the first disciples that are gonna come out of this community were gonna be the ones that would be willing to give up their jobs and move across the country to a new city to, plant, to be part of planting a new church, what would you say? And suddenly in that moment, I had that realization of like, oh my word, this is exactly what we're about. This is exactly what what a vineyard church is about. It's a church that gathers and sees God create disciples who want to see more and are willing to go when Jesus says go. And so my heart went from being heavy to being just overwhelmed. And, remind, and it reminded Flick and I, and we hold this now dearly, is this is in our DNA, that we are to, we are to see disciples that grow as part of our community, that when Jesus says go, they can't but go they were they have to go and they're willing to give up everything to follow him those are amazing stories every single one of you sat in a vineyard church right now is there because somebody had an audacious dream to plant a church to start a new community and that's not just for you it's for your colleagues for your workmates your neighbors it's a place where people can come and find jesus as i've been talking and as the videos played some of you are feeling stirred you're feeling stirred towards church planting and I'd encourage you to take the next step of the journey, to train, to see where that goes. For others of you, it could be going on a church planting team. I met an elderly couple recently who, who came and said to me, we don't care where we go, we just feel called to go on a church plant. For others of you, it could be to support that church financially, to give towards it, to enable it to happen. For others, it could be to pray. There are so many different ways to be involved. 
This is an adventure for the whole movement. We cannot settle. We are a church planting movement. We are a multiplying movement. We multiply small groups. We multiply churches. Planting churches changes lives. Whatever your role, we want to invite you into this adventure as we plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. Great, thank you. The whole point of a church plant, as as, uh, he was saying, is that it would be a place where people come to meet Jesus. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost, didn't it? Those of you who are familiar with the Bible, 3,000 people surrendered their lives to Jesus that day and decided to follow him. They met in small groups in their homes, and they also gathered in a particular area, Solomon's Colonnade in the temple, to pray and just to hang out together. The word that is used in the Bible for church is a a word that was used in everyday Greek language, and it means any time people gather together for a particular purpose. So if people gather together to riot, that is an ecclesia, which is the Greek word. Uh, A rugby match, barely dare mention that today, but a rugby match is an ecclesia. A bunch of Jesus Jesus followers gathering together is an ecclesia, a church. And we've come to assume a lot about what church is and isn't because of centuries of overlay of culture. But at its most simple, a church is a gathering of people with a purpose of following Jesus. And so in the Bible, it's not uh, worship or Bible teaching, which, as you know, I rate very, very highly. That's not what makes a church. It is simply gathering with Jesus at the center, whatever you're doing, whether you're doing some uh, drama on or physical theater on uh, trafficking or whether you're Uh, meeting together in a community or a connection group, whatever you're doing. If Jesus is at the center, then that is an expression of the church. Jesus gave his followers and us a commission, which you may be familiar with. Uh, It's in Matthew 28, 18, where Jesus said, Go to the people of all nations and make them my disciples. Baptize them in in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to do everything I've told you. I'll be with you always even until the end of the age. And so that's what they did. Or at least they started to do that. But at the beginning of the church, they really enjoyed being together. And so people wanted to stay together, and so everybody stayed in Jerusalem. They didn't go to all the nations. And that clearly was not God's plan. He wanted churches everywhere. He wanted churches in all nations, so that all people, every people group, every language group, and there are still hundreds that have not heard the good news yet. But uh, the early church didn't take this commission seriously in all its aspects, but they kept the blessing to themselves, and so God sent or allowed uh, a great persecution to come. And we read of that a bit further on in the story, Acts chapter 8. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, And all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. 
So imagine you went to work tomorrow morning and uh, the police were there waiting to arrest you because you're a follower of Jesus. So your, uh, your work is taken away from your, your house that you have been paying that mortgage on. Uh, that's, that's gone. Uh, that money's gone. Um, that's what it was like. And that's what it's like for many believers around the world. And uh, the encouraging thing is that God's people were not intimidated by this persecution. Take Philip as an example. In the very next verse, it says, The believers who were scattered, scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Peter because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. And so there was great joy in that city. This is everyone, every day, everywhere. It wasn't just the apostles. In fact, they stayed in Jerusalem. This was just the ordinary members of the church. Uh, And it says, wherever they went, they did the words and works of Jesus. And what we see described here is what God intends as the normal Christian life. Wherever you go, carrying Jesus, chatting about him, healing the sick, casting out demons, and generally turning culture upside down. And we see that this is the way the church grew. This was normal. People came to faith, they grow in their faith, and then they respond to the call of Jesus. And for some people, that is to go and plant new churches. Obviously, that's not the calling for everybody. The next slide we've got up shows... um, about the year 100 AD, uh, where the main churches were planted, uh, save you counting up, there are about 48 cities on that slide where churches have been planted. Some people would um, make it a lot bigger than that, that they would actually say that the good news had already reached India by 100 AD, and in fact, churches were already being planted in the British Isles by that date. So that is a very, very conservative estimate. But uh, certainly within the next 100 years, Christianity had spread to England, although not many churches were planted until the coming of Augustine in 597. Oxford itself got in on the act fairly soon after that, with the first church being planted by Frideswide in about 680 on the site of what is now Christchurch Cathedral. And because of the miracles that God did through her, just as with Philip in Samaria, people gathered in Oxford and more churches were planted. And so the story goes on. And uh, to cut a very long story short, on the 23rd of April, 1992, we had the first meeting of Oxford Vineyard. And we have a slide that um, is slightly dates us but you might be able to spot Mandy and me in there, looking a little bit younger than we do now. But um, this, by July, so we planted in April, sorry, if we go back, by, um, by July we had already run two groups, and uh, Iona down here at the front, she was the first person to come to faith through this church. Um, also in the church uh, was... Uh, Matt at the back in the pale blue, he and Jacinda went to plant in uh, Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, Jason and Bev down at the front on the left side there, they planted 
in Sutton in Surrey, Nick and Vicky, who were in the other group, planted in Coventry Vineyard, John and Joy planted in Swansea, soon after that came Matt and Jill, who planted in Milton Keynes, uh, Andy and Wendy, who planted in Sirencester, a group who planted in Cheltenham, um, others who went to support the newly forming Bristol Vineyard when that started, uh, Ray and Ellie, who planted in Abingdon, Oh, and I've missed out Ed and Claire, who planted in Salisbury. They were 22 years old when they went out to plant. Uh, age is no restriction on what God wants to do. And then we also have our family in the mountains of Central Asia as well. So these were all people who were just members of our church who became excited about Jesus and wanted to let other people know about him. And each one of them paid a price to be willing to do that, moving to different cities, in some cases different countries, leaving friends, taking new jobs, finding houses and all that. And it's exciting to plant a church, to have a baby church go out from your congregation. But it's also um, it's hard work as well. It's, uh, the hardest thing is missing their friendship. And we really... Uh, that was really the hardest thing. But we also miss their gifting, their leadership skills, as well as their, the, the money that they give as well. You know, there's so much, that, so much of the cost for us. And uh, we believe in giving away our best rather than our second best. And if all those people had stayed in this church, they would have had a great impact here in the Oxford area. But the Holy Spirit blew. And so off they went. Now, clearly, you don't have to move away from Oxford to be able to be moved, uh, to be used by God. Now, I, I know I'm slightly biased, but I think that Oxford is the best place to be used by God, uh, and I know that he has some amazing plans for this city. It was no mistake when God founded this city, when there were just a few houses around the, the river crossing, and this city was formed around the miracles that God did through Frideswide. And Jesus calls us to think bigger because his kingdom is advancing and he wants us to be part of that. And that will look different for each one of us. We say in, our, in this church here that our vision is to build worshipping communities across the Oxford area that reach out, bringing the life-changing reality of Jesus to every life. And since we planted this church nearly 27 years ago, there have been at least another 50 to 60 churches planted just in Oxford. Uh, not all of those have survived. But uh, the tragedy is that when we planted our church, 6% of people in Oxford went to church. And now with all these new churches, we still only have 6% of people going to church. And okay, the city has grown, but really we're not making much of an impact. Clearly we're missing something. And the problem is not church planting, because when new churches start and do something new, then it makes it easy for people to be able to come along. And we saw that when we planted this church. God gathered people who didn't fit in elsewhere, people who hadn't been part of a church, who wanted to be able to connect with God, but couldn't find a way of doing it through the other churches that fitted for them. That's not to say that our church is better than the other churches, as John Wimber used to say, we're just one vegetable in the stew. 
and we do bring a particular flavour, but it's not necessarily the main flavour. But that's why we keep reinventing the way we do church, because culture keeps changing. It's changing at a faster rate now than it has ever done before, and so church has to change at a faster rate than it has ever done before in order to remain accessible to people who are far from God and relevant to our culture. And so the culture of our church and what we do as a church needs to change. And that's one of the reasons why we started doing our communities every other Sunday. So lift up your eyes and see the possibilities. We don't want to just shuffle people, believers, between different churches. We want to see people who come to faith. Um, people like Iona in that photograph who came to faith, uh, knew about God but didn't know him personally because no one had ever told her that it was possible to have a relationship with Jesus. <clears throat> people like Ivan who had never experienced the love that he felt here when I met him, he said he would never, ever come to a church. And later he told me how he had been abused by the priest when he was a small boy. And it was as we built relationship that he came to trust us. And one day he announced, uh, you've been over to my house to watch the rugby. I'm going to come to your church on Sunday. And uh, he met Jesus here. We've got another short video to watch. So if we could roll that one, please. My name's John, I'm from Tiverton Vineyard in Devon and in 2018 God was so faithful to us in loads of ways. One of the most surprising was for a week-long period in the summer, friends of ours, a father and daughter, uh, approached a, a group of teenagers and offered to pray for them. In that moment, that, that one of the lads said he had one leg shorter than the other, he had a pronounced limp and, and regular headaches. So of course they prayed for him. In that moment, they witnessed his leg grow and since then his headaches have reduced. Following that and a short explanation of the gospel, all six of those teenagers asked Jesus into their life the next day, this spread like wildfire in the school and a friend of ours, a youth pastor at the local church, had a phone call from the school saying, you've got to do something, you've got to come in. All these kids want prayer for, they're asking about Jesus, they're asking if God can heal. Um, a message went around the school of hashtag Jesus is real. They were Snapchatting it, tweeting it to each other. Uh, so we had to act and, and in that moment, he picked up, uh, picked up the phone, called some friends in his church, called some friends at the vineyard and it was all hands to the pump. Um, and that evening, I'll never forget it, turned up at this, this park that we've been in hundreds of times and talk about naturally supernatural, it just completely took us by surprise. Um, you know, the kingdom of God was right there at the end of our nose and, and um, there was 50, 60 teenagers walking about with Bibles, praying for each other, asking about the Holy Spirit. So we re really just got in amongst it, began to pray. Um, at, at, at one point, there was 20 teenagers all bowed down in this part on their knees, asking Jesus into their life. So it, it really felt like God. It was spontaneous. There was so much joy in it, just like we read in the, in the book of Acts. You know, there was 
was great joy at one point. I was stood up for my wife and Jude was saying, I just can't believe we get to do this stuff. Uh, and it brought real unity in the churches. We're saying, how do we get this out there? What, what do we have to do? But this is, this is what it is to be in the kingdom. And uh, it, it was just one of those beautiful moments that took us all by surprise. And uh, we were just delighted by it and excited for, uh, for what's next to come. So, to build worshipping communities across the Oxford area that reach out, bringing the transforming reality of Jesus to every life. That's what we're here to do. And uh, as I said, you know, those, those worshipping communities, they may be um, just people meeting together in a park. Um, but uh, it may be just starting a connection group. It may be a community um, they may go on to be church plants or satellites or different kinds of things that can go on. But I think uh, we just need to raise our gaze once again and see the possibilities of what God wants to do. Um, because as people come to faith, they will come to faith because we get out there and do the words and works of Jesus. And as we do, as we see people come to faith, we need places to put them. That's why we have connection groups. That's why we run the Alpha course. That's why we have communities, that kind of thing. And um, what God does in different places may look completely different. So uh, already our connection groups all look different from each other. Our communities all look different from each other. I think that's very healthy. I, I love that. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing God doing uh, a variety of different things in different places. So whether you're called to be part of a church plant, to lead a church plant, to be on the staff of a church, to raise the next generation of church planters and leaders uh, by being a homemaker or a teacher, to care for people in hospital, to make large amounts of money for the kingdom, to influence other people through into the kingdom through sport, media and arts, whatever the individual calling that we have, we all have a common calling to bring people to Jesus by healing the sick and speaking the good news to them. Now, that's quite a challenge, isn't it? I don't know if any of you feel overwhelmed and under-equipped to do that kind of thing. I do, and I'm a church planter. So to borrow a phrase from television, I'm a church planter, get me out of here. I started by saying the whole point of a church plant is for it to be a place where people come to meet Jesus. And that's what church is still for. Uh, that's the call for each one of us. Whether it is locally or globally, there are amazing things happening around the world. We see things breaking out in this country as well. And it, it happens when we take Jesus seriously and we take the opportunities that he give, gives us. It's the same call to go out and also to invite people in. It's everyone, every day, everywhere. And as much as I want to celebrate church planting today and challenge some of you that maybe at some stage in the future, God may be speaking to you about church planting. And uh, <clears throat> in, you know that may be uh, three years' time, five years' time. You don't know always what the timing is, but as John Maxwell said, when opportunity presents itself, it's too late to prepare. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared for what God 
has for us. And for some it will be church planting, for some it will be going on a church planting team, for some it will be staying here and praying for the church plant and giving money to the church plant as they go, or taking ministry teams out to go and support them. And then for others it will be staying here, just continuing to reach out in this city and this area. I was uh, taking a retreat day on Friday and I'd spend time thinking and praying and asking God what's on his heart, what is, what is he thinking about. And uh, I just started scribbling pages and pages of notes and one of them was just, uh, where do we need to start communities? And uh, so I was scribbling down, you know, uh, lots of the different towns uh, around Oxford where we could easily start communities. We just need a, a team of people to go there, people who are willing to reach out. Because we don't just wait for people to come. We reach out and uh, take the opportunities that God gives us. So let's stand together. Um, I've got a, possibly a word for you in green at the back. Yeah, you. What's your name? Eloise. I felt, um, I was looking at you, that God is going to surround you with people um, for your encouragement and for your growth. And I felt there's a scripture in the Bible that says he puts the orphans in families. I'm not saying you're an orphan, but a sense that he is going to give you the community that your heart longs for. And just be open because it may look a little bit different to what you're expecting. And there may be people in that, um, in your uh, environment who you perhaps wouldn't think that would be immediately, but God's going to knit your hearts together in his love, which is a really powerful thing. So just be encouraged. And Josh, hiding at the back, um, when I looked at you this morning, I felt God say that he's going to make you a real radical. And that um, he's put this radical thing in you, but it's going to grow. And it's not going to be very comfortable for you and Zoe, which is great because God loves discomfort, but it's being who you were actually created to be. So hang on, because it's going to be a fun ride. Probably for us as well. <laughs> so. And Anna, um, just looking at you, I just a sense that um, God is going to put a new level of authority on you whether it's work or whether it's um, what you're doing in church-wise or outside of church-wise. Um, but just that that he's put something really, a really deep seed of wisdom and authority in you. And when those two come together, you're going to be unstoppable. And it will be like the words that come out of your mouth have got power and authority to, to bring change. And maybe start really, you may probably do it already, but really speak out your prayers. Um, kind of in your own prayer life and believe that what you speak is going to change things. So thank you, Father. <laughs>